This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. He was discussing the two different uh, levels of kindness of Hashem. There's kindness and there's kindness. There's a kindness that's called chesed oila, a world-like kindness. And then there's the higher level of kindness, which is a boundless kindness. And he explains that the Torah is called strength. That it says the Torah was given from the mouth of Hashem, piyagvura, from the strong one. And the Torah was given um, from his right hand, a Torah fire was given. In other words, the Torah is essentially from Hashem's right hand. It's a revelation of godliness. It's not just a collection of rules and laws. The Torah is the vehicle, the mitzvot, are how we are able to draw Hashem into this world, just like the organ. The organ draws the soul into this world. When you grab hold of someone's arm, you're not just grabbing their arm, you're grabbing their soul that's in their arm. So the mitzvot are able to draw godliness into this world. So really, it's a revelation of godliness, a new revelation of godliness into this world. But the idea of Torah is, the Torah was given to us, to humans. It was given in this world. It was given to us that we should draw down godliness within the framework of this world. That is the whole purpose of the Torah and the mitzvahs. It's not about burning up the world. It's not about destroying the world. It's about bringing Hashem, bringing godliness into every part of this world. So therefore, the idea of the mitzvah is to take something godly, otherworldly, but bring it down in a way that it could be revealed within the frame, framework of this world. And that's why when you do Torah mitzvahs, you also draw down the light. You draw down a godly light that awakens and arouses our love for Hashem within our soul. But again, since the idea of the Torah mitzvot is that it's given to us in this world, so the love that the Torah mitzvot awaken within us when we do the mitzvot, it awakens within us a love that we can absorb, that we can internalize. So it awakens within us the innate, hidden love that we have for Hashem. Not the overwhelming love. And that's unlike when Hashem gave the Torah, and Hashem gave the Torah, we experienced such an intense love that we simply expired. We couldn't, it overwhelmed us. We couldn't, we couldn't absorb it. That was the initial revelation of Hashem at Sinai. So Torah is essentially, it's a revelation of godliness. But when we study Torah and do mitzvah today, it awakens a love within us, but it doesn't overwhelm us. We don't die from ecstasy. No one is dying. No one is dying from ecstasy. It awakens a love within us, but it's a love that we can uh, handle, we can absorb. Not that it's limited. It's really, it's godly. And godly is infinite. But it's the infinite way Hashem limited Himself. Hashem concentrated himself and Hashem gave us the tools through which we can draw down his infinite self in a finite setting. That's the miracle of mitzvah. That's the miracle of Mount Sinai, of Torah, which we're coming from recently, the giving of the Torah, the Shavuot. And that's why he says that the Torah is given the Torah was given from the mouth of the Gvura, the strong one, which represents Hashem's ability to concentrate himself, to limit himself. Gevura doesn't only mean limitation. Gevura, we use the expression Gevura Geshamim. 
we say, we mention, Hashem brings rain in the blessing of Gevurah, at the Gibber, you're strong. When you talk about Hashem's left side, Hashem's strong side. So just like rain, rain, it's not about limiting. Rain, it's the same water. The only difference is, the effect of the Gevurah is, where do you see Hashem's strength? That He divided the rain into drops, into raindrops. If it came down as one huge sheet of water, it would destroy us. It would be too intense, it would be too powerful, it would completely destroy us. He took this exact same rain, he didn't diminish the rain, it's the exact same rain, but he divided it. Gevura is dividing it and limiting it so we can handle it, we can absorb it. The same rain, but just he limited it into drops. So that's the same idea. It's not that Hashem limited. We're not getting something that's limited. This world is limited. When Hashem creates the world with His Gevura, with His strength, He's limiting Himself. Everything in the world is finite and limited. When you study Torah, do mitzvot, you, you're getting the infinite. You're not getting something that's limited. You're getting something that's godly and infinite. You're drawing down something godly and infinite. But it's given to us in a way that we can handle. This very same water, the very same infinite light, but in a way that we can absorb and handle. So it's essentially miminoi. The Torah is from the right. But it's drawn down to us in a way that we can, it settles in, we can handle it, we can receive it. But isn't it like a gvura absorbed into chesed because it's, it's, it's not really strong gvura? It's no, it, it is the ultimate gvura. gvura. Gvura does not mean, gvura essentially does not mean to minimize. Gvura means strength. Gvura means an intense life, on the contrary. The blood is Gevurah, the blood is alive, vitality. Gevurah is strong, strength, life, a sign of life, a strong sign of life. The problem is, why does Gevurah have to be limited? Because Gevurah is too intense, it's too powerful. Like a surge of energy, it's too powerful, it'll just destroy. A sheet of water is just going to destroy. So because it's too powerful, you won't be able to handle it, that's why you have to have a din, you have to have a Gevurah, how much you can take and how much you can handle. So you have to limit it, you have to cut it, you have to... But then there's the Gevurah, you're not cutting anything. Like in rain, you're not cutting anything, you're not minimizing. The exact same rain you would have gotten if you would have gotten in a one big sheet. The exact same rain, but now it comes down gently and divided into drops. So, so he says, all of the mitzvot, all of the mitzvot were given to us are all material. Hashem concentrated himself in material things, tangible things that we can handle, we can absorb. You can take a match and light a candle. All the mitzvot are, are physical things that you can handle, you can absorb, you could receive this infinite light. For example, he gives tzitzis, tefillin, sacrifices, tzedakah. Even commandments that involve a man's spirit, such as awe and love of Hashem, are also of limited measure and by no means of infinite extent. For not even for a moment could man sustain in his heart so intense a love of Hashem as is without end and limitation and still remain in existence in his body. Indeed, so intense a love would surely cause the soul to take flight. So it was taught by our sages of blessed memory that at the time of the giving of the Torah, when Hashem's divinity and infinite Ein Self light were manifested to the Jews at Sinai, and at a direct level of revealed speech, their souls took flight from their bodies. At that time, Hashem restored their souls with the dew that He will use to revive the dead in the time to come. We see, however, that the illumination in, in itself was so intense that their souls could not remain within their bodies for even one moment. When it says in the Torah, there's a mitzvah to love Hashem, to be in awe of Hashem. Again, the mitzvah is a limited mitzvah. The mitzvah is that we, the human being, should remain alive and human, but should learn to develop a love for Hashem, cultivate a love for Hashem, awe of Hashem, love of Hashem. So the idea, the whole mitzvah is that you should experience a limited love, a love that we can handle. Because if it was an infinite love, we wouldn't be able to handle it. It would be too intense, it would be overwhelming, it would overwhelm us, it would completely expire, we would 
cease to exist, as it happened at Mount Sinai. So there, there was such an intense revelation that their souls expired. And it says that God re revived them with the dew that he will use in the future. Because that was even greater ability, a greater revelation, that they were able to remain alive, they were able to revive them, that they were able to, to remain alive. But what do we see from that? That the love that's awakened within us as a result of the Torah mitzvah, when we do a mitzvah, it, it, it brings a light into the world. It brings a godly light into the world. It brings a godly light into our neshama, into our soul. And it awakens that hidden love that we all have to Hashem. So that awakening doesn't overwhelm us. That awakening is very gentle, is very something that we can receive and we can benefit from and enjoy. That awakening strengthens us doesn't cause us to expire. The Torah mitzvot, even though it's the infinite light, but it's the infinite light that goes through the gevura of Hashem, the strength of Hashem, that concentrates it in our level. It takes this infinite light and concentrates it in our level in a way that we can receive it and absorb it gently and within our frame of reference without destroying it. Versus if it was all kindness, all love, boundless, without any limit, that would cause our soul to expire. That's not something that we can experience. So the Torah is restrained by the attribute of Gevur, restrained by the attribute of, of restraint, of Gevur, concentration. So that's a key part of the giving of the Torah. The Torah was given in Piyah Gevura. It's not just a detail. That is uh, an essential part of the giving of the Torah. The whole point of the giving of the Torah, the whole purpose of the giving of the Torah was that we should bring godliness into our world, into our lives, into our realities without overwhelming our reality. Transforming our realities into Torah realities. Transforming this world into a Torah world without destroying the world, without burning up the world. When Hashem first revealed Himself, it burned up the world. They expired. The whole world went, chaos, went, went crazy. But that's not the point of the Torah. The whole point of the Torah was, and that's why Hashem revived them, and He spoke again, and then they passed away, and then He revived them, and then He spoke the rest of the Ten Commandments through Moses, and they were able to receive it, able to absorb it. So, so the Torah, we heard the Torah from Hashem's Gevur, because it's Hashem's kindness that's concentrated through Hashem's Gevur that enables us to receive it. Since the love presently experienced by a soul within a body does not cause it to flee, it follows that this love is inherently limited. This also applies to the awe and love which are experienced as a result of the divinity that, that is revealed in the mitzvah, as mentioned earlier. This is the case because the flow of godliness, which descends through the Torah and the commandments, is restrained by the attribute of Gavur. The whole point is that the Torah is finite. The Torah is finite commandments. There's 613 mitzvot, and every mitzvah in itself also is finite. It has specific definitions, as he's going to explain soon. We can now understand that the two stages implied in the above fourth verse. Initially, the Torah indeed proceeds from his right hand, from the boundless kindness of the attribute of Chesed, but it is then communicated to us from the mouth of the Gevura as a Torah of fire as a law which is delimited and restricted through the divine attribute of Gavura, so that it is, so that it will be able to find expression in the finitude of the mitzvah. So the Torah is essentially his right hand, Miminai, which is Hashem's boundless kindness, which is a revelation of godliness. But it is communicated from the mouth of the Gevurah as a Torah of fire, 
as laws which limit and concentrate, restrict and concentrate the light through the divine attribute of Gvurah. So we should be able to, the Torah should be able to express itself in the finitude of mitzvot. But it's not a real limitation. There's a big difference between God creating the world. God also created the world through Gvurah. Everything in the world is the godly energy, divine energy. But the world is, is not holy. God created a finite, limited world. Versus Torah and mitzvot are holy. What's the difference? This is limited and this is limited. We just said that even the Torah and mitzvot also came about, was restricted and limited, the 613 mitzvot, and every mitzvah has a limit and has a very clear, clearly defined definitions and details and specifics, laws, rules. So it's also limited. But there's a huge difference. The world is a limitation that hides and conceals. It conceals ungodliness. It's a limitation that hides. Versus the limitation of Torah is a limitation that actually draws down, it concentrates. It takes the infinite light and draws it down. Because it's God limiting himself. God is limiting himself, it's not a real limitation. God is limiting himself, it's not a real limitation. It's the very same God limiting himself. So it's the very same infinite light just concentrating itself in a finite in a finite way that enables us, finite, limited human beings to be able to receive the light. So because the whole purpose of Torah and the whole purpose of Mount Sinai was God wanted to bring, come down the mountain. He wanted to reveal himself within us, within our realities, within our lives, within our homes, within our realities in the world. A very finite, limited world. So he concentrated himself and expressed himself in a very defined, clearly defined, limited way. But in this defined, limited way, he has totally revealed himself. He has completely concentrated himself. But he has concentrated himself. And therefore, the light is also given to us in a way that's concentrated and limited in a way that we can handle without overwhelming us. And that's why the mitzvah, even the light that the mitzvah awakens within us, the godly sense that awakens within our soul, and it awakens a certain level of love for Hashem, a closeness to Hashem, a warmth to Hashem, a, a sense of awe of Hashem, it's also limited. It doesn't overwhelm us with His presence, doesn't overwhelm us with a love, it's a love that we can handle and we can absorb. And now he's going to say that not only are the mitzvot limited, the 613 mitzvot, and all the mitzvot are practical and tangible and deal with very practical, tangible things, every mitzvah is very precisely limited. It's very precise limitations. Clearly defined limitations. It's all about rules and laws. You know, people wonder, you know, if you're connecting with Hashem, shouldn't I just connect through ecstasy, through the infinite, through meditation, why all these rules and laws and specifics and details and pages upon pages, how you have to wear the tzitzis and what's the right way to put on the tefillin? Who cares? All that matters is the feeling, the sentiment. It's just, you know, if I feel for Hashem, I, I feel the love, I feel the connection. Why all the details and specifics and the whole to- oral Torah expressing, detailing so many details, how to do it precisely and exactly? It seems so limiting. But that's a key ingredient in the Torah. The Torah was given through Gevurah. The Torah was given so that we should bring the Torah down into our realities, which is a limited reality, which is a finite reality. So that's where the Torah has to be very precise and very specific. We couldn't handle it any other way. Right, we couldn't handle it any other way. And that's not the whole purpose of the Torah. The whole purpose of the Torah is not we should burn up and become angels. The whole purpose of the Torah is to transform this world into a Torah world. To take our finite, limited uh, reality and permeate it with the presence and the awareness of Hashem's infinite light, of godliness of Hashem. By taking every aspect of our life and every detail of our life through the Torah and mitzvot and bringing God into the picture. From the mezuzah in the house to the tefillin to to all the mitzvot which covers every aspect of our life from cradle to grave. 
business, to relationships, to every aspect, eating. There's no, no part of our life that's not covered by the Torah. Because that's the whole point of the Torah. That godliness should gently penetrate our finite, limited being. So therefore the Torah, accordingly, the Torah was also concentrated. Not limited and cut and diminished. No, the very same Torah, the very same infinite light, but concentrated in a very precise rules, laws, defined, precise, limited, so in a way that we can handle and we can absorb. Inherently we're dealing with something infinite. We're connecting with Hashem, who's infinite. But Hashem, the way He concentrated Himself, and He chose to limit Himself, which is not a real limitation. When you choose to limit yourself and you're not really limited, it's not a real limitation. It's not an external limitation. Hashem chose to reveal Himself and to concentrate Himself in this way. So Hashem has that ability, on the contrary. It's a greater ability. Hashem has the ability. He's not limited to being infinite. He can take His infinite light and He has the ability to concentrate through Gevurah, through Hashem's strength. He has the ability to concentrate His infinite light that we should be able to receive His infinite light and absorb it and receive it in our finite, limited realities. As we go about our daily lives and our ordinary realities, we should be connected and be connected to the infinite. That's the whole novelty of the giving of the Torah not like other religions and mysticisms which is all about peak moments and very special experiences and otherworldly experiences, ecstasy. Judaism is about your day-to-day life. Orachayim, how you go about your daily life. Being godly on a Monday and a Tuesday, Sunday and a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday in your business, at the water cooler, at your home, when you're in bed, when you're eating, at at the table, as you go about your personal daily life, how you could be godly 24-7. That's where Judaism stands out. That's the whole novelty and revolution of Mount Sinai. That Hashem was able to come down the mountain, He was able to draw down His infinite light, we should be able to absorb it and receive it within our limited, very finite and very limited realities. So it's not a limitation, it's something negative. It's a very positive, it's a concentration, it's, 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 it's breaking it down in order that we should be able to handle and receive the very same thing, the very same water, just like the rain, the very same water. It's not diminished in any way. It's the very same infinite godly light. When you do a mitzvah, you're, you're touching the divine, you're touching Hashem. But he concentrated his infinite self. Only Hashem has the ability to concentrate his infinite self in, the, in a very gentle, in a very finite way. And therefore, since that's the whole purpose of the Torah, that's why it's all about rules and laws, and every mitzvah itself has specifics and details and precise, precise measurements, and, and, and has to be exact, very exacting. It's not just generalities. It's very precise, very... Why does the Torah have to be so precise? And because that's the whole point of the Torah. It's about concentrating Hashem's infinite self. Hashem chose to concentrate His infinite self in a very limited arena, in a very tiny, limited arena. And Hashem says, when through the Torah mitzvah you can introduce me and you can permeate that reality with my infinite light, with Hashem's presence. No, because the commandments were given to us by being vested in the attribute of Kiburah, and by the contraction of the divine radiation, most commandments have the limited measure. For instance, the length of the tzitzit must be 12 times the width, width of the top. The tefillin, two finger breath by two finger breath, according to the opinion of the Gionim, quoted in the Altar Rabbis, Chilton Rov, and necessarily square. The Lulav for Four hand breath, the sukkah seven hand breath, the shofar one hand breath, and the mikveh forty seven. So he says the tzitzis have to be the strings of the tzitzis have to be at least the length of the tzitzis has to be at least a little over nine inches. Twelve agudel the the the. Uh, the width of a thumb. 
So 12 width of a saw, thumb is like uh, around 9, 10 inches. Tefillin have to be, the box has to be, should be, two finger breaths by two finger breaths. Now it doesn't, it's kosher even if it's not, but it must be square. The box has to be square, a perfect square. That's one of the things that we learn, it's a requirement. It's from Moses at Sinai, it's one of the requirements of tefillin. So again, it's a very precise measurement. What's the precise measurement? Here he's giving measurements. Square is not a measurement, but it is a precise measurement because unlike the tzitzis, by the tzitzis, it says it has to be a four-cornered garment. Only a four-cornered garment is obligated to, obligated to wear tzitzis. What if it's a five-cornered garment? Six-cornered garment? You're also obligated to wear tzitzis because it's, it contains four corners. I don't have to put on all five corners. I'm not allowed to put on all five corners. I can only put on four. Four of those five are six. But since it contains the four garments, therefore, four corners, therefore I'm obligated. When it comes to tefillin, let's say I have tefillin that uh, has five corners. Six corners. It's not a tefillin. It has to be precise. And it can only be a square. So it must be. It must be four corners. And then he quotes the Goinim who say that there has to be a minimal measurement of tefillin have to be like um, two fingers and two fingers, which is like, in other words, it has to be like by a, an inch by an inch. I'll drop more than an inch by an inch. The minimum size of pure tefillin has to be one inch by an inch. So again, it's a very precise measurement. It's halachic measurements. It's not just, what do, what do I care? I have tefillin. What care, who cares how big, how small, what shape it is, uh, how many corners... Well, you get the general idea, the general picture, as long as my heart is in the right place. Titus have to be exactly, has to be 9 to 10 inches. Why are you so, so precise and specific? And then he says, Lulav. Lulav has to be four hand breaths. Has to be a minimum of a foot. 12 inches. Three inches, which for the accompanying part of the lulav, which is the myrtle and the willow. And then you have to have, the lulav has to stick out at least one, three inches above that. So you have nine inches where you have, which cover, which the lulav is covered by the adasim and the lulavim, and the, the uh, adasim and the, and the uh, aravis, by the willow and the, uh, and the myrtle. And then it has to stand up, it has to stand out. So it needs at least another, another three inches Together, the lulav has to be at least a foot. A sukkah has to be a minimum of seven hand breaths. The Torah gives very precise measurements. The Torah gives very tangible measurements. The, 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 the width of a thumb, two fingers, a hand breath. You know, a measurement that you can, a kezayis is an olive. It gives you something that you can, very tangible, a, a date. Something they get an egg, something, something very, very real, very tangible. You can um, not just abstract measurements. So a sukkah, a minimal requirement of a sukkah, has to be like a, a little more than 21 inches, between 21 and 22 inches. That's the minimum size of a sukkah. A shofar has to have a minimum size of three inches. A mikvah has to have a minimal amount of water. The minimum is it has to be like uh, 87, 87, 88 gallons. That's the minimum size of a mikvah. So it has to be very precise, a measurement of water. You have to take a measuring and you have to, has to have the, the exact amount. Now it's interesting, all the, all the examples that he brings, he's trying to point out that the mitzvot are very precise have to be very specific and very he's giving a precise measurements but every single example that he brings there is no limit there's a minimal limit it can't be less than uh, um, it can't be less than an inch by an inch tefillin the sukkah has to be a minimum of tw- can't be less than 21 inches 
uh, and something. It can't be uh, a shafer, it has to be the minimum, it can't be less. The size of a shafer can't be smaller than, than one, than, than three inches. But is there, and, and a sukkah, is there any limit? There's no limit on the other way around. There's no limit how big it can be. You can have a sukkah that you can. The height, it can be we're not talking the about height. the height, the length. He's talking, we're not talking about the height. He's talking, he doesn't say, he didn't discuss the height. He's saying the example of minimum width. It has to have a minimum width of 21 little inches. But on the other extreme, there's no limit how big the sukkah is. You can have a sukkah where you can fit the whole Jewish people in. If you have a huge sukkah, it's kosher. A shafer, a shafer, yes, it has to be minimum at least three inches. But there's no limit. If you, you want to have a shafer that's a mile long, who says he can't use it? doesn't say anywhere in the world he can't use it. There's no limit. He's trying to bring out that the mitzvot are limited. Every example that he brings, there is no limit. There's only a limit in the, on the front end, that it has to be a minimum amount, but not, there's no limit on the other end. If you want to have the length of the tzitzis, okay, it has to have a minimum, it has to be at least, uh, uh, you know, around nine inches, but nine to ten inches, but, but it, there's no limit how long it can be. You can have tzitzis that are long, uh, as long as you want it to be. So it seems like the Rebbe asked, seems like contrary to the point he's trying to bring. He's trying to bring that all the mitzvot are limited, are precise. It's not so precise. It's precise on one end, but it's not so precise on the other end. So the Rebbe says, no. He is making the point. He's making the point with these mitzvot, and it's a very beautiful point, very powerful point, because what he's trying to say is, once you've reached the minimum amount of the mitzvah, if you add to that shear, if you add to it, does it make it more of a sukkah? If the sukkah is longer, is it more of a sukkah? Once I reach the minimal requirement, it, it's as much as the sukkah as it'll ever be. The only question is technically, how, how big you want it, how many people you want to fit. But the mitzvah of sukkah is here, finished. This is the minimal shear. Once all I need is to, want to turn it into a sukkah, to turn it into a mitzvah, to turn it into something godly and divine, to turn it into a mitzvah, it has to have a precise and that precise is not more, not less. Because once I reach that point, it's a mitzvah. It doesn't become more of a mitzvah if I extend it, if I make it longer, if I make it bigger. If the shaifer is bigger, the sukkah is bigger. It doesn't become more of a mitzvah. So the mitzvah, the part that makes it into a mitzvah, that makes it into something divine and godly, not just a ritual and a custom, a symbol, but actually a divine mitzvah, that's a very precise shear. Once you reach that precise point, at that moment, at that point, it turns into something magical, godly, divine. Everything, whatever you're adding, doesn't change anything. The mitzvah is there. You're making it more practical, you're making it longer, bigger, but that, that doesn't change. The point, that the moment that it turns into a mitzvah is a very precise, precise measure. When you meet this precise measure, it's transformed into a mitzvah, into something divine and godly and holy. So that brings, on the contrary, that highlights the point. That although there's no limit to the other end and you can extend it as much as you can, but it's a very precise point when it turns into a mitzvah. And then you can't add to that. It doesn't, you can't add to that. Once it's a mitzvah, it's a mitzvah. It, it becomes something holy. It becomes something godly. It becomes something to fulfill and connect with Hashem. And then he continues, then you also have sacrifices. Obviously, in sacrifices, there's no limit. There's no measurement. He's not giving a measurement how big the sacrifices has to be, how big the sheep or the goat. Or the, but there's another type of measurement. There's a precise measurement, which is actually today's, the Rambam, Maimonides, those who study the three chapters of Maimonides, it's today's Maimonides discusses this very, these laws, that every sacrifice has a precise limit a precise measurement, not a measurement, a quantitative measurement, but a measurement in, in time, of time. The age. A sacrifice has to have a very specific age. A certain sacrifices that could only have to be brought from the eight days and, and some only till a year. The other sacrifices that could be brought the second year after the animal reaches a year and 31 days, then you can bring the sacrifice, certain sacrifices, certain sacrifices you can bring bulls, you can bring up to three years. So it's a very precise age, very precise limit, very defined 
limit in time exactly when yes and when not when it's considered a kosher sacrifice when it's not considered a kosher sacrifice so again the Torah is being very precise and very clear and very defined and very the laws are very very clearly defined sacrifices too have a limited measure as regards age as for instance sheep of one year old ram and rams of two years old and oxen. The same applies to the act of charity and to the practice of kindness with one's money. Even though that is one of the pillars upon which the world stands, as it is written, the world is built by heaven. Nevertheless, it has a set measure of preferably one-fifth of one's income. He could have elicited right, and of one-tenth for an average measure. This is what is called chesed of the world. So he says that everything, everything has a limit. And we see that even in acts of kindness, goodness and kindness. Sadak, the whole Torah is based on kindness. It's a Torah of kindness. It's an act of kindness. And the ultimate mitzvah is to be kind and to give tzedakah. Even there, there's a limit. There's a precise limit. Clear boundaries. Very precise measurements, how much you have to give. And even though Tzedakah says one of the pillars of the world, and it's one of the pillars that upholds the whole world, the whole world is based on kindness. It's so important, and nevertheless, the Torah gives us very precise measurements. What's the precise measurement? That a person is obligated to give 10%. And if a person wants to be generous, you can give 20%. But it says, don't give more than 20%. He says, don't give more than 20%. And it's interesting. It seems to be a contradiction. On one hand, there's different types of kindness. Here he's talking about kindness that we do with financial kindness. Tzedakah. You, you give your money to help a poor person. So he says, this type of kindness, there's a limit. You, have to give, you must give 10% of your earnings. And ideally, you can give 20% of your earnings, of your income. We say every morning, we quote the Mishnah, that there are things that have no limit. And one of them is, Gemilas Chasadim, acts of kindness. So here he's saying that kindness has a limit. We just said in this morning, from the Mishnah, and pay her that the uh, kindness has no limit. And the explanation is, we're talking about two different things. Kindness that you do in person, visiting the sick, dancing, help, you know, making rejoicing the, the, the bride and groom. Mitzvot that you can do in person to escort the dead. Mitzvot that you do in person, that is no limit. But the mitzvot that you do for financially, that you're obligated to give tzedakah, that is a limit. The limit is 10%. And then he says, don't give more than 20%. You're not allowed to give more than 20%. But elsewhere, actually, Maimonides says that a person is not obligated to give more than 20%, but if he wants to, he can give more than 20%. So which one is it? So this clear contradiction. Here we're saying there's a limit, a very precise limit, a boundary. Don't give more than 20%. At any time, a poor person comes knocking at your door and says, you don't have to give more than 20%. On the other hand, he says you shouldn't give more than 20%. On the other hand, we say if a poor person comes knocking at your door, you, could, you, not, you don't have to, but you could. The difference is, the commentary says, is a huge difference. Maimonides is talking about two different cases. When do we say that a person should not give more than 20%, is not allowed to give more than 20%? We're talking about a person who's giving tzedakah on his own, because he wants to bend his ego, break himself, he wants to overcome his stinginess, he wants to give tzedakah. There's no one knocking on his door. There's no urgent need. He's working on himself, he's working on his own character, he's working on his own personality, he wants to change himself, he wants to learn to be generous, he wants to learn to be kind, he wants to learn to give away his hard-earned money and give it away to Hashem. So the Torah says it's a wonderful idea. 10% you must give. 20%, wow. 
ideal. But don't give more than 20%. You're not allowed to give more than 20%. You proved the point. Hashem gave you money for yourself and He gave you money to help others. This money belongs to you. Use it for good health. And as long as you give the 10% and you're being more generous, it means you're not being forced to give 10%. You recognize it comes from Hashem and you're giving it joyfully and this is your way of serving Hashem. Wonderful. So give 20%. But don't become dependent. We don't want you to become dependent. We want you to remain independent. We want you to remain wealthy. So the Torah says don't give money. However, if a poor person comes knocking on your door, yes, it's true. You're not obligated to give more than 20%. You're not obligated to do any mitzvah more than 20%. Let's say, the only way for me to fulfill the mitzvah of Lulav and Esarik is I have to sell everything that I have. You're not obligated. Forgo the mitzvah. Don't do the mitzvah. The Torah doesn't obligate you to bankrupt yourself to do a mitzvah. You're not obligated to bankrupt yourself to do a mitzvah. You are obligated to bankrupt yourself to avoid from doing a prohibition. Under no circumstances are you allowed to do a prohibition. Unless it's to save your life. Not to save money. To save money is not a reason to violate a prohibition. Even if you have to spend every last penny that you own. But to do a positive mitzvah, there's a limit. The Torah gives us a limit. You don't have to spend more than 20%. And if you can't do the mitzvah because you're going to have to bankrupt yourself in order to do the mitzvah, the Torah says you don't. Don't do the mitzvah. You're not obligated. Same thing as with tzedakah, like any other mitzvah. You're not obligated to, to bankrupt yourself to give tzedakah. Nevertheless, true, you're not obligated to. But of course, ideally, a poor person is knocking on your door, he's starving to death. What are you going to tell him? I'm sorry, I reached my quota, you're going to have to die today. <laughs> That's, it's, of course, if a Jew has a Jewish heart, of course, ideally, you should help him and you should, uh, it's okay, you can spend more, don't worry, no one's going to take you to task. <laughs> why, why you spend? Uh, more, but I, I reach my quote, I am not allowed to spend a penny more than my 20%. It's okay, you can spend more. So then, that's what Maimonides means. In such a case, when the person is knocking on your door and there's an urgent need, immediate need, not obligated to, like any other mitzvah, any other positive mitzvah, I don't have to bankrupt myself to do a mitzvah. And no one will hold it against you if you close the door. But nevertheless, ideally a person should have a heart and... and Take him in and help him out as best as he can. Give him something, help him. Even if you're going beyond your quota. You know, a person needs... This is all financially. When it comes to personal kindness, there's no limit. A person needs a smile. You can't say, well, I've reached my quotas of smiles for the day. <laughs> that's it. No more smiles today. And show the person a sour face. If that's a personal kindness. There's no limit. Eludvarim shenlem shir. But financially, there is a limit. So you see that even tzedakah, and even kindness, and even which is a pillar of the world, supports the whole world, the Torah gives us very strong limitations. Limitations, precise. Not more, not less. Very precise. Rules, laws, specifics, details. Very precision, precisely defined down to the smallest detail. Why is this? This is what is called the chesed of the world. The supernal degree of chesed that is drawn down through this manner of measured charity is termed chesed olam, the chesed of the world. This means the chesed of Hashem that endures throughout, our, throughout the day, which is vested in the higher and lower worlds through the arousal from below that is generated by man's service by the precepts of charity and kindness that people practice for each other. Kindness between man and his fellow draws down divine kindness into the higher and lower worlds. But because the world is finite and measured, from the earth to the heavens, there is a distance of 500 years, and likewise from one heaven to another, there is a distance of 500 years. And six thousand years shall the world exist. The Torah's commandments of charity and kindness is also given a limit and measure, as are the other commandments of the Torah. So when we do a mitzvah, it's not just to draw down Hashem's light for, for, to, for ourselves, into our souls. It also draws down Hashem's light into all of the world, the upper world, all of the world, the whole universe. 
so too with tzedakah. Through our kindness, we awaken, arouse within Hashem His kindness, which the whole sustenance of this world is an act of kindness, divine kindness. Hashem constantly creating the world and sustaining the world is a gratuitous kindness from Hashem. And Hashem sustains the world in response to our kindness. When we are kind, Hashem acts in kind and He continues to be kind to us because He gives us the Dhaka. The sun continues to rise whether we deserve it or earn it or not because we are kind and generous. Even if the person is not deserving, we are kind and generous. So too Hashem in turn continues to create us and sustain us and give us and provide us, provide for us. And not only us, all of the worlds. So the Chesed, Kael, Kol the whole day, and Hashem is constantly giving and providing. It's an act of chesed. Chesed oilam. It's the kindness of the world. That Hashem is sustaining the world. And this comes about through our kindness. In response to our kindness. So yes, we are drawing down Hashem's light. But we're drawing down Hashem's light in our world and in all of the worlds. So that's why it's called a limited kindness. It's a kindness that could be received and could be absorbed in the world. And that's why the kindness that we do, that arouses this kindness, is also limited. It's very, very precise, very clear. Because that's the whole idea, to draw down Hashem, to draw down godliness, to draw down Hashem's kindness into the world, into our realities, into our, our, our world. So that's, he, finished, he just finished explaining the idea of chesed oilam. What do we mean when we say chesed oilam? There's the kindness of the world, which is referring to a limited kindness. It's Hashem's kindness, and it's an act of revelation. But it's a revelation that's concentrated through the gvura, through the strength that's enabled, that comes in a way that we can handle and we can absorb, and we can receive. So it's, it's a kindness that's there that comes in a limited way. Not in a limited way, in a diminished way, but it comes in a way that we can receive in our limited reality. And not only we can receive all of the worlds, the whole universe, the upper realms, the higher realms, each and every one could receive their divine life and, and, and chesed. So this is the ordinary. This is the whole setup of Torah Mitzvah. This is the whole purpose of Torah Mitzvah, the whole setup of Torah Mitzvah. This is why Hashem created the world, and that's, and that's all fine. But now the Alter Rebbe is going to go on to say that this whole system and this whole structure only works for someone who never broke, who, never, who always followed the structure, who always followed the straight and the narrow, and always... And therefore, this is the whole theme and the whole structure of the Torah and the mitzvot. And the whole purpose is to draw down Hashem's kindness and to draw down Hashem's light into our limited world. Our limited realities. But what happens? What happens if a person did not follow the Torah, did not follow the mitzvot? And he creates havoc. He wreaks havoc. The whole universe is dependent on us. Even the divine flow, the divine energy is dependent on us. So if we don't follow the Torah, we don't follow the mitzvot, then we've blocked all the channels. All the channels are completely blocked. So how can the universe be sustained? The Kabbalists bring a beautiful parable. They say a, a genius, a king created the most perfect island for his subjects. Everything in the island, the whole ecosystems and the system was created and built in such a way each reinforces the other, the water and the birds and everything is in these canals and, and everything flows smoothly. The water flows and beautiful trees grow and it's a paradise. But then the people living in the island got a little bored. <laughs> They started messing things up. 
let's play around, let's block this canal. Why, why does the canal have to flow so, so wonderfully? Let's block it, so he made a blockage. Well, the consequences were the water stopped flowing here, it, it wreaked havoc. Suddenly the, the trees lost its vegetation, the trees lost its vegetation, lost its water, the irrigation, so the birds couldn't rely on the tree. The king comes to visit three years later, this paradise <laughs> turned into hell. This once beautiful, lush island turned into, you know, the people have nothing to eat, they're killing each other, the whole island looks completely destroyed. He left them a beautiful island. Everything worked perfectly until they came and messed it up. So too, Hashem created the world in a perfect way. He gave us the Torah, the mitzvot. If we follow the Torah, we do the mitzvot, and everything works perfectly. All the channels flow. It's so complex, but everything flows perfectly, harmoniously. It just works magically. And this world is a Garden of Eden. God created it. It was a Garden of Eden. If we followed the Torah and the mitzvot, He gave us the Torah, we would have immediately reverted back to the Garden of Eden. But then we sin. We, we don't follow the Torah. We don't do the mitzvah. We're, smart, we're smarter than the engineer, than Hashem. We can figure it out on our own. <laughs> we can figure it out on our own. He, Hashem says, listen, trust me. Yeah, trust me. I'm telling you, this is the way it works. This will work very well for you. Just, just do it. Just trust me a little. No, no, no. We will figure it out. And we see, you know, man created. The paradise is the man created. <laughs> in Russia and other places the wonderful paradises that man is creating with his man-made philosophies and ideologies where they upturn and don't follow the Torah and don't follow Hashem and are cleverer than Hashem and smarter than Hashem and think they can figure it all out and who needs Hashem, God forbid okay, we've seen the wonderful paradises that they've brought including Holocaust and, and uh, other such beautiful which came from the seat of university from Germany which is the seat of the Enlightenment you know, we've seen the wonders and the miracles and wonders, <laughs> these characters. We see today the worst hatred, the worst anti-Semitism coming from the halls of academia, from pseudo-intellectuals who are arrogant atheists and hate Jews and hate the Torah and hate everything that's moral, decent and true and genuine. Uh, we see the wonderful paradises that these, uh, wonder, you know, these very clever wise men of, uh, of Aslo have brought us. Um, so what happens? What do you do? You destroy the whole system. The channel no longer flows. And if you don't do the mitzvah, then a key ingredient is missing. It's not you can't make up for it. It's 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 lost. It's a lost it's a lost opportunity. You never get the chance again to do a mitzvah. If you don't do a mitzvah. If you're misreading the Shema, one day you're misreading the Shema, that's it. It's a lost mitzvah. You'll never get the chance again to do that mitzvah. It's gone. Shuva won't help you. Yom Kippur won't help you. There's nothing in the world that can make it come back. I, had a lo I lost the opportunity. Gone. So it's not just that that opportunity is gone. That channel... That the whole world is relying on that channel. The whole universe is relying on that channel. All of the universes, the whole world, all the realms are relying on that channel, and that flow, and that Torah mitzvah. It's gone. There's a gaping hole. The universe is missing. And, and therefore, nothing could work right. Everything is all... So what do you do in such a case? We're up a creek, we're in trouble. We have a real problem in our hands. Insurmountable problem. The, the this limitation yeah. Yeah. on charity applies only to one who observes the Torah and does not depart from it to the right or left, even as much as a hair's breadth. But as for him who is strayed from the path, heaven forfend, and as much as he has distorted his course, thus diminishing the supreme holiness. A Jew draws down sanctity from the Supreme Holiness through his performance of the commandments. As we say in the blessings recited before their performance, quote, who has sanctified us with his commandments, i.e., performing mitzvot, elicits a downflow of Supreme Holiness, whereas non-performance depletes it. That is, he has diminished its value as regards the efflux he could have elicited from God's divinity and the radiation he could have elicited from the infinite Ein light had he observed the Torah and fulfilled it as required. 
Such distortion cannot be rectified except by an efflux of the supreme light that transcends the worlds without being vested in them. This is what is called chesed la'a, superior kindness, and rav chesed, abundant kindness. When a Jew does not fulfill a mitzvah, it's something essential is missing. That mitzvah, the whole universe depended on that mitzvah to evoke the divine flow, divine flow of energy. And since we did not do that mitzvah, that divine flow is blocked. And there's nothing you can do to fix it. The Talmud says, If you miss doing the mitzvah, you don't get a chance to do it again. You could make sure next time to do the mitzvah, next time it comes around. But the time that you missed, you missed. It's done, it's finished, it's too late. The train left, it's, it's gone. It doesn't wait for us. Does that hurt me personally? I mean, I understand it hurts the world and all of that. Of course it hurts you personally, but not only you personally, it also hurts because we're also missing that divine energy. Every time you do a mitzvah, you're adding. You're drawing something down. You're drawing godliness down into this world. So if you're missing the mitzvah, there's no way to make it up. So not only are you missing in your own soul, you're missing that divine illumination, but the whole universe is now missing. That channel is gone. The universe cannot receive the flow that it needs, that divine flow that it needs. And that's why, as we learned in the Igeret HaTruva, and, and that's the very first thing that Al-Turevi discusses. In the second lesson there, you can go online, Al-Turevi discusses it, that a positive mitzvah, in a way, is much more important than a prohibition. Which one is weightier? The positive mitzvah or the prohibition? We see clearly from the fact that the Torah says that a positive mitzvah pushes off a prohibition. You have a conflict of interest. You have a conflict between a positive mitzvah and a prohibition. For example, you have a bris. You have to make a bris on a child. And the only way to make a bris is by cutting the bris. You have to, you're also going to cut let's say, a sign of, of leprosy, of tzeras, which the Torah says you're not allowed to cut off. So which one am I going to do? Am I going to fulfill the mitzvah and violate the prohibition? Or am I going to keep the prohibition and violate the mitzvah? So we have a rule in the Torah. The positive mitzvah overrules, overrides the prohibition. It's more important to do the mitzvah because what's weightier? The mitzvah is weightier. Because a mitzvah, if you don't do the mitzvah, Every mitzvah draws down something. draws down the level of God. If you don't do the mitzvah, that's it. That opportunity will be lost forever. What about no, Tshuva doesn't help. You miss the mitzvah. Tshuva doesn't help. Tshuva only helps if I did something wrong. Well, by missing a mitzvah, isn't that wrong? Yes. So, but if I, violated the, uh, if I violated the prohibition, if I did a sin of commission, I did something wrong, I can mend it. I can fix it. I can, I can plug the hole. I can fix it. I can clean up the mess that I made, I, I can do something. But if you don't do a mitzvah, that mitzvah is gone. You can only do the next time. You can only do the next time. Yeah, but that mitzvah is gone. You can't get it back. It's, out of the bottle. it's finished. Uh, over. So that, that's it. So the whole universe, for all eternity, is missing this mitzvah. You've taken away an essential part of the universe. You, you've failed to draw down. Every one of us has given a certain amount of years, time, days, abilities, mitzvot, opportunities. If you miss one mitzvah, one single mitzvah, one day you didn't read the Shema on time, in the halachic precise time when you have to do it, that's it, it's over. You'll never get that opportunity again. So, so it's much weightier. A mitzvah is much weightier. You can't, you can't fix it. Truva won't help. Yom Kippur won't help. Truva won't help. Pain and suffering won't help. There's nothing in the world that will help. There's one thing that will help. That's what he's going to discuss. There's good news. <laughs> but that will leave for next time. <laughs> that's that example. Let's say you pass the window of time in right. the morning. Right. Would it be better to still say the yeah, Shema? Yeah, it's better to say the Shema because you have nothing to lose. It's like reading the Torah, so at least say the Shema. But the mitzvah of Shema, you do not. Fulfill. You don't get the You don't get it. It's a very precise. Define limit of time, not before, not after. And that's what he calls an order. He said there is a way. The only way to fulfill, to make up for this lack and this loss, you have to reach into a higher level of chesed. It's not enough 
the Torah mitzvah draw down the God's kindness with the kindness that's within the world, which is a limited kindness. But in order to fix the lack of a mitzvah, to fill that void, you have to draw down on a much higher level of godliness, infinite level of godliness, called Rav Chesed, a superior level of Chesed, an abundance of Chesed. And only that level, tapping in and drawing down that abundance of chesed, that infinite level of chesed, that has the ability to make up for even that lost mitzvah, which is a tremendous novelty. Because you blew it, you messed up, you finished, you don't, it's lost. He says, no, even that we can make. To be continued. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.